Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. www.xzbn.net is the website for the Exxon Broadcast Network and for the Exxon Radio Show. It's www.xzoneradiotv.com. Don't forget, we're available on all social media sites at Exxon Radio TV. IRS Pastor is our guest. He is the CEO of BioCork Incorporated, www.biocork.com. How do you respond to critics that claim that you just may accidentally start a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> well, that uh, if, if you want a zombie apocalypse, I think all mm-hmm. you have to do is go out there and look at the uh, the all the people walking around uh, in a daze uh, with their cell phones nowadays, or worse, driving around with them while reading them. Um, now, we, um, as mentioned, we started a project uh, a couple of years ago, focusing on an area of research that uh, has gotten very little attention and very little research dollars over the years, uh, namely uh, brain death, uh, mm-hmm. which is the main reason. It's, it's the definition of death uh, in most countries around the world, the irreversible cessation of function in the, the higher brain and the brainstem. Um, and uh, there were a lot of cases in the popular press in recent years that sort of brought this topic to the fore, uh, involving both um, Whitney Houston's daughter, Bobby Christina Brown, and also here in the U.S., the case of uh, a young girl named Jahai McMath. Um, the definition of brain death was created back in 1968 at Harvard Medical School. Uh, however, uh, there you know, it's it's 50 years later, and the tools that we have in front of us are much different than what we had then. When you combine that with the fact that there are many species on this planet whose brains can be destroyed only to regrow in entirety and remember things, uh, combined with the fact that living cadaver research has been an accepted and ethical form of research for the last 30 years to study a variety of things, uh, we just wanted to put one, two, and three together and see if we could have an impact on the number one reason 65 million of us leave this world every year, and that is the loss of function in our brain. Um, no, we are not going to cause a zombie apocalypse. What we are doing uh, is studying the gray zone that exists between death uh, and life, which is you know, at the deepest level before death is a deep coma. Uh, and beginning to, in the cases of acute trauma, understand what is involved in regeneration, uh, most specifically of the brainstem, which is the control center for your independent heartbeat and breathing. If we can make a reconnection there, uh, we will be on a path. It would not mean that we had killed death, as, as people like to say in the articles, but it would mean that we have blurred the lines between the definitions and started on a path that may have some very important implications beyond not just death and the disorders of consciousness, persistent vegetative state, coma, the minimally conscious state, but for all degenerative diseases of the central nervous system, including the chronic ones, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, MS, traumatic brain injury, and so forth. So we feel that this is a very important area of research Uh, It has gone on quietly for about 30 years now in terms of using the living cadaver model, people that donate their bodies to science. Uh, We just think that it is time to use it for a more productive purpose. Well, what is is a living cadaver? Because I always thought that a cadaver was a dead body. But if you're saying a living cadaver, 
you know, a living cadaver uh, is somebody who meets the uniform determination of death criteria. Mm -hmm. So no independent breathing and heartbeat and a cessation of higher brain electrical function at a certain level in right. the cortex, but who is still maintained on cardiopulmonary support. Okay. So they are have a heart beating, uh, they are breathing, mm -hmm. and they are being supported with hormones, nutrition. Uh, you, know, you might say, <clears throat> and people in the audience say, what did people do this for? Well, this has gone on for 30 years to study drugs that may be too toxic to study in a living human. <clears throat> it has been used as a way to practice surgical techniques in residence, uh, practicing on someone who's technically alive or has the, the biodynamics and biomechanics of someone alive. Um, but it's mainly been a research tool. Uh, we are basically shifting to say, you know what? It's a perfect subject to study regeneration and reanimation of the brainstem. And it's what we're doing. Uh, it's not a major project of ours yet. Mm -hmm. It's still, needless to say, it has its unique recruiting uh, uh, intricacies, and it is a little different than conducting an Alzheimer's or a, a cancer study. But nonetheless, we believe uh, it is a very important area of exploration. And when you, interestingly enough, just a side note, when you go into the literature, even though this brain death definition of 1968 has an irreversibility label attached to it from the team at Harvard. Over the past few decades, there are dozens of reported cases in the biomedical literature that show evidence of brain death reversal, primarily in very young subjects, usually babies. Uh, these are hotly debated, they're controversial, but they show that things are not always black and white with regard to death. Um, and not to, you know, it's not a morose topic, but nonetheless, it is something that uh, we need to understand is a viable area of biomedical exploration and you know, may yield some very <clears throat> profound uh, discoveries uh, in a much shorter period of time than other areas that, uh, that we've been pounding away at for decades. What are the religious ramifications about the living cadaver then? It's, it's fascinating because in the three years that we were planning uh, this project, mm -hmm. um, we uh, spent time vetting the concept with a really diverse constituency, neurointensivist, drug regulators, uh, some diplomats, mm -hmm. patient advocates, and we passed it by several religious scholars. And it was fascinating because people were saying, you're going to get a lot of kickback from the religious community. And it's been the exact opposite. It's really been fascinating. Uh, people say, you know what? If you're capable of doing this, it doesn't mean Jesus didn't do it 2,000 years ago. It just means you're doing it now. Um, most of the, <laughs> most of the uh, kickback has been more on the uh, side of the neurointensive community, which basically has been very happy with the definition since 1968, uh, and saying, you know, there's nothing that we can do for you. Uh, and so that has sort of <laughs> been the one shocking factor and one of the smacks in the face that, says, you know what, I think we're on the right path if, if we're angering some of those people, uh, because clearly it's not 1968 anymore, and uh, we need to really take a, a look at the technologies that we have in hand today uh, to make some impact. All right, so, so basically how would this work? You know, you've got your... You've got this person who is legally dead but clinically living, um, and, and and the goal is to is to what? The goal is to spark both neural and vascular regeneration in the brainstem. So if you think of the very top of your spinal cord, mm -hmm. uh, basically where it intersects with the brain. Uh, that is your brainstem. And basically, you know, insult to injury, uh, everything below your brainstem when you die is completely alive. Uh, there's even been studies, recent studies on sort of gene expression in the recently deceased. And it's still quite active. Uh, you can be dead and you can gestate a fetus. You can metabolize. You can spike a fever. You can circulate. You can do pretty much anything. Uh, is that one little gap, which is responsible for the signals that control your heartbeat and breathing, which mm -hmm. are, you know, keep you alive, um, 
that is gone. We want to re-stimulate the growth and the connection between the spinal column and your brain uh, in a very similar fashion to how it happens when you're in the womb. It, it, interestingly, side note, when you're first formed in your mother, your brain forms second to your spinal cord. Um, just a slight fact. Um, but so that's the first part of the, the project. Can we reignite and re-stimulate that growth and connectivity uh, to get your brainstem working again. But what is going to happen? I've got about a minute, uh, and Certainly. and I, I find this a question. Like, you have somebody who's been declared clinically dead. You keep them alive as a living cadaver. You bring them back to life because you've been able to regenerate the spinal cord. What happens to this person? They're dead, they're alive. Like, that sounds um, rather... Rather, that uh, is, Dr. Frankenstein-ish. Uh, we can go into a whole other show on that, but yes, and that is something that actually is being discussed down here in the United States right now on what would happen and how somebody right. would actually have to have a second birth <laughs> and a new birth certificate uh, as opposed to the elimination of a death certificate. And it's specifically happening because we have a few cases down here uh, that where the subject, you know, it has to do with cases that, um, you know, there was a, a question mark mm -hmm. on whether somebody was in a deep coma or not, had been declared dead already, has a death certificate. If they're not dead, what do you do at that point? And the consensus right now, the way it looks like it's going with the law, is that you're going to be strangely enough born again, um, having a second birth. All right, I, I, I hate to do this, but our time has gone by so fast. I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. We'll have to have you back on to continue this very Absolutely. interesting topic. Absolutely. So until then, thank you very much. And to you and yours and all the people at BioQuark, a very happy new year. Same to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, sir. Exonation, if you'd like more information on Ira Pastor or BioQuark, their website is BioQuark.com. I'll be back on the other side of the commercial break at six and a half minutes past with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiaka's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of The Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest, and armed with over 40 years experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Gwilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. 
Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible, and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. Ira S. Pastor is our special guest. He is the CEO of BioCork Incorporated. Uh, let me see here. Um, Ira ha- is an MBA he, from Temple University, a Bachelor of Science in Pharmacy from Reuters University. He is also a board member of Regener Age SAPI DECV, a clinical company uh, focused on expedited translatory therapeutic applications of regenerative and rejuvenative healthcare innovations. Once again, the website is www.biocork.com. So why do you think, Ira, you've been in the pharmaceutical side, now you're in the biotech, why do you think that people believe, and a, a great number of them really believe that somewhere in a bunker are all the cures? I think uh, it has to do with the fact that, uh, well, they see three numbers. Well, at least I look at three okay. numbers. Seven trillion dollars a year is what we spend on healthcare around the world nowadays. Mm-hmm. We spend one trillion dollars of that on drugs, and we spend two hundred billion more every year uh, on new R and D. And despite those, I mean, they're just put it in context, $7 trillion. That's if you put together oil, natural gas, coal, precious metal mining mm-hmm. in what it doesn't, it, it doesn't get, and it's in perpetuity. Uh, health and disease will never end. Right. It, it's, not that we're going to run out of oil, we're going to run out of oil, but we're not going to, we're not going to run out of disease. So it's forever. Um, so they see these numbers and you got to figure if you're okay, you're pulling in $7 trillion. Um, we must be having some impact somewhere. Um, but the truth is we're not. We see a rise basically in the prevalence of every chronic degenerative disease responsible for human suffering and death. And simultaneously, you have this ongoing growth and aging of the population. Uh, we've had no impact, even though we sit within these incredible financial dynamics. So that undoubtedly, um, you know, you... Uh, you know, clearly that has people scratching their heads. You know, what, what have we done wrong? Have we done everything so wrong or have we done things right? And do those cures exist? Uh, I just believe you know, I'm one of the, uh, the side that says, mm-hmm. no, we've done things very wrong. And uh, not only have we failed to uh, use those investments and that incredible financial windfall uh, for any benefit, but uh, we're doing a, in 2018. We're still doing a pretty poor job. Um, we're also doing a pretty bad job of uh, moving things faster uh, through the clinic. I mean, although um, you know you see some sort of fast tracking nowadays in the area of diseases of substantial and medical need, uh, the, the numbers are still, I mean, you're still talking about a couple billion dollars per new drug. You're talking about development timelines of 15 to 20 years. And you have the, you know, the, the odds. I, I, I call this an industry of failure in the sense that, you know, the odds are like one in 20,000 that anything, you know, Mr. Ben Scientist is working on today, uh, 20 years will succeed. Most likely it will fail. So everything is going against it. And um, so this is why, you know, uh, you know, I feel that we need a really new approach uh, to how we look at disease, how we look at patients and ultimately mm-hmm. how we look at what the drug is and, and what it's doing. Um, and and you know, so that's you know, in essence. Okay. Let our, me ask, uh, let, mantra. Let, let me ask you this. If we are to try and get people to live longer past the past the age where people should be dying 
How does this affect society? What are the sociological implications of extending a human's life, age, past to where it should go? Well, they, uh, they will be profound when one uh, comes up with a way to both extend lifespan and reverse death. Uh, when those two events happen, that will be the epicenter of some severe uh, social uh, and other types of implications. However, uh, in the shorter term, um, the focus is much more on um, not lifespan per se, mm -hmm. but on health span. So in essence, making 90 uh, the new 30 and basically how one can create the biological situation whereby you do not have any of the chronic degenerative diseases uh, normally expected at those ages um, and are able to then contribute uh, to society uh, for a longer period of time in a healthier state. Uh, but, it, but, are, is, but isn't that the scientific community starting to play God? Um, I don't think it's as much playing God as it is, um, uh, helping eradicate, um, uh, some major problems that yield human suffering. Um, clearly <clears throat> if we eliminate every chronic disease from Alzheimer's cancer on down the line, mm -hmm. uh, yes, there will be. Um, it, it, well, obviously you can always then die of the asteroid strike or getting hit by a truck and, and, and so forth. But, um, yes, you, there will come a time where, um, these <clears throat> factors will all merge to <clears throat> a inflection point where we are no longer aging and dying at a much slower rate. Now, um, <clears throat> One would point out that uh, controlling death rate in society is not the real problem. Um, many evil people, especially in the 20th century, tried to control the death rate of society. It doesn't clearly work. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, population is much more a function of birth rate than anything else. And I'm, you know, I'm not here to give my opinions on those topics, but um, clearly there will be sociological, societal impacts from these events occurring. Uh, but I don't see them occurring tomorrow. So we have time to plan. <laughs> and, and yet, with all the food shortage around the world, with the depletion of, of certain species, isn't it going to put a strain on the eco-environmental system of this planet to even extend the, a life form by 10 or 20 years? Because the birth rate will still continue and you have people living longer. Uh, and that's, um, that's why I hope that uh, people similar to me that are in the agricultural industry and the energy industries mm -hmm. um, that are in eco-engineering uh, come up with other solutions to the problems we have on this planet. I'm, I'm not saying that uh, uh, I have the answers to all of those, but sure. clearly... Uh, I do believe that we are at a stage where there's enough smart people on this planet that should be able to uh, deal with um, creating solutions, at least, to some of those problems, which are, you know, go back <laughs> a lot longer uh, in human history. So, yeah, I you know, clearly there are implications on all these fronts, energy resources, food resources, environmental mm -hmm. um but I think if we have the ability as a society to deal with something like disease uh, and suffering at this level, we should be able to come up with solutions to the others. And yet, uh, how many years has the pharmaceutical industry been trying to cure the common cold and it hasn't succeeded? So how can they succeed with any, uh, with any credibility when it comes to anything else that they're trying to do? If they can't, can, you know, if we still have a common cold. It will, uh, 
it will have to it will have to take uh, new thinking, mm-hmm. uh, out of the box thinking, uh, from organizations like ours. Uh, but clearly, I mean, you you point to something very important. Um, the common cold uh, viruses in general um, are part of a ecosystem, and you know, they're part of the um, biological world that has been here much longer than we have. You know, viruses are mm-hmm. three plus billion years old. Um, they find their ways to survive uh, over that period of time. We, on the other hand, do not. Uh, we have a hard time hanging around, as mentioned, for 75 years. Um, but we have forgotten the lessons that nature teaches us. Uh, we are, all of us listening today, mm-hmm. I think the current estimate is about 9% virus. Uh, we, you know, we're not entirely human right now. Uh, and without viruses, uh, we might not have been here in the first place just because they serve a role in the evolutionary past. Now, all that being said, uh, I come back to the point that we have listened to nature for thousands of years, uh, but we've forgotten how to listen. And many, in our opinion, many of the answers are out there. Um, and when you have species like the viruses, like plants, which mm-hmm. have survived multiple ice ages and gone through a lot worse than, <laughs> than the problems that we've caused, um, you have to believe that nature has created good solutions. And if we can only tap into them, and whether that's for health or whether it's for energy or food production, um, I believe the answers are out there. And we just have to know how to tap them. All right, Ira, please stand by. We've got to take our final break for this hour. Exonation Ira S. Pastor is our guest this hour. He is the CEO of BioQuark Incorporated. Their website is www.bioquark.com. And Ira and I will be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon after these fine words from our commercial sponsors. Don't go away. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. ABS Media. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. 
Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, a couple of um, short, brief notices. The late December edition of the X Chronicles newspaper is still available online at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. And coming up in the early spring of 2018, later on in a couple of months from now, Investigations 365 will be airing on Simul TV, hosted by yours truly. And we look forward to having another block hit, blockbuster hit with our good friends at Simul TV. Ira Pastor is our special guest, www.biocork.com. And Ira, I understand that uh, your, um, your company is working on disease reversion as well as cancer work. Can you tell us about the, the work that you're doing? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, once again, you know, going back uh, to the natural world, mm -hmm. we see that there are many organisms in the lower biologic kingdom that um, get cancer but don't die of cancer like right. they do. Um, unlike us, 14 million cases around the world every year diagnosed, 8 million deaths. Um, but the lower organisms have a very unique way of dealing with cancer. Unlike us that pound away at it mm -hmm. uh, with either older technologies like chemo and radiation or some of the newer technologies in terms of immunotherapies and smart drugs, um, at the end of the day, the strategy from the war on cancer for the last you know, 50 years has been uh, kill, 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 kill. Um, However, organisms in nature that are resilient and resistant to cancer don't focus on killing it. Uh, they focus on turning it back into normal tissue. And this is a, one of these areas, and I, you know, I'm, a, I, I'm a big fan of biomedical research mm -hmm. and sort of how much we have learned in the past that has just been forgotten. But when you go back into the historical literature, uh, when we were first testing carcinogens back in the 1930s and the 1940s, and you have these amazing papers out there where we were testing these substances on, say, a, a group of frogs, mm -hmm. which developed horrible tumors from some nasty carcinogen, uh, and then two weeks later were cancer-free. And it was always one of those situations where well, someone's messing with the experiment <laughs> in the middle of the night. Something's not right here. But now, 80 years later, we're realizing, aha, we're connecting what was known then to our deeper understanding of the reprogramming dynamic and finding out, hey, no, no one messed with the experiment. The frogs were just taking the tumors and turning them into healthy tissue. And so this is part of our approach, basically not looking for another kill event, uh, not looking for another kill substance, no matter whether it's a shotgun or a, a sniper rifle approach, but instead look at how we can approach cancer uh, from a more holistic perspective of changing it. Uh, you know, just like you wouldn't cut out your brain mm -hmm. if you found that you had Alzheimer's disease or, or chop out your pancreas if you have diabetes. Um, maybe kill is not the right concept when it comes to cancer. Uh, and I think, you know, what we're beginning to see is a movement in this direction that looks at cancer, not as much as a cell-based disease anymore, uh, but one of a tissue-based disease like every other disease in your body. And from this perspective, we can say, okay, just like we can reprogram uh, neurons to regenerate, we can look at reprogramming a tumor itself and just wiping out 
the bad history, the genetic, the epigenetic changes that have occurred over time and turning it back into tissue uh, and starting over. So this is a, a very exciting area that, needless to say, um, is quite different than you know how the war on cancer has been waged for 50 plus years now, but we believe uh, with those numbers and still, you know, the major killer uh, in the developed world that uh, we have to think a little bit more outside of the box with regard to uh, how we deal with runaway growth and in our tissues. You're in the pharmaceutical industry, biotech. Mm -hmm. What is your research and ultimate goals going to do to the pharmaceutical industry? Well, you know, you know, I came out, I mean, I, I, yes, I'm in biotech and I sort of, you know, I spent a lot of my early career in mm-hmm. the larger industry. Uh, people always ask, well, you know, aren't you afraid that this is, you know, going to cause major waves? And, you know, 20 years ago, I would have said yes. But now the dynamic that's occurring in the pharmaceutical industry is, is pretty interesting and it sort of feeds right into what we're doing. Um, you have these incredibly large companies with 50, 60, 70 billion dollars a year in sales. Uh, but all they do anymore is market. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 1970s, they got rid of their manufacturing capabilities. In the 1980s and 90s, they outsourced their sales forces. And most recently, which is the most staggering thing, um, you had these large companies that used to do research in you know 15 different areas, and they had a, a cancer unit and a neurology unit and a, a microbiology. And now that once they have 15, now they have five, and they're pairing back so much of their R&D. So they're basically these huge shells. So when you combine that with the fact that the products are going off patent to generic competition mm-hmm. and they're promising Wall Street uh, amazing top-line growth, it's not going to come from doing same old, same old. So Big Pharma is going to change a lot in the coming years, and they'll be a marketing partner of ours at some point. Now, that's one thing they do good. <laughs> they're good at getting out there and, and selling drugs. Um, but at the end of the day, they're going to have to change because the concept – that you can solve any of these problems uh, with a little white pill, uh, the si- single silver bullet, they like to call it, uh, dispensed in a little bottle from your pharmacy. Uh, those days are coming to an end. Um, and it's, you know, they brought it upon themselves by getting so big and forgetting about sort of the, the core of what got them there. Um, so I, I'm not uh, ultimately very concerned about sort of causing waves. Clearly, we're going to cause waves by curing the diseases that they'd like to treat, uh, but they're going to have to get on the uh, uh, the train. What uh, happened it's, What it's happened changing. in our evolution over the last 50 years that all of a sudden we have all these cases of cancer, Alzheimer's, uh, diabetes, and all of, these, all of these diseases that 50 years ago were not very popular, and yet today they're so popular. What happened? Um, a lot of it has to do with um, the way we, like I say, I, I say eat, drink, live. We have forgotten, you know, forgetting about the big issues, of mm-hmm. course, you know, smoking and pollution and uh, radiation and all the other nonsense that we're doing to the planet. But at a core level, as a just a person, our human beings, we've forgotten that, you know, although you know, we are human. Um, we ha- our genome has the evolutionary history of everything that came before us. And so everything that kills us at some point prior to this was a benefit to some other species. You know, high blood sugar levels is an example. Uh, when we drink five Cokes a day, no, it's not good for us. It yields diabetes, endocrine dysfunction. But there's many species out there, like the, you know, the cats, that uh, have to have quick bursts of energy when pursuing a prey. It's great for them, horrible for us. Same thing with inflammation. I mean, uh, inflammation is a terrible thing for us in terms of the autoimmune disorders and allergies. Um, But for lower organisms, inflammation is their only um, form of infectious disease defense. Um, So we really need to remember that, yes, we're homo sapiens, we're human. uh, We cannot eat, drink, live, and continue in a fashion that evolutionarily is wrong for us. And so I, you know, I like to point to that as, you know, once again, forgetting sort of the big picture stuff, uh, the 
I guess the uncontrollable uh, the in terms of the damage that we've done on a macro scale mm-hmm. to the planet. Uh, at a micro level, uh, we've really messed up, uh, starting with, you know, it, it can be the foods and, and, and the drinks and everything else from a lifestyle perspective that we do wrong on a daily basis. Um, I, I think a lot of that feeds into it. You know, there's a lot of people who believe that Big Pharma has supp- or is suppressing the cures for a lot of the d- these diseases that are affecting society today just to keep a profit margin growing and making the executives a lot of money. Um, they're not that good. Uh, and, and, uh, and I'll explain it. Uh, the pharmaceutical industry... Uh, is very good at creating treatments. Uh, they, for the last hundred years, have been set up to do just that, basically mm-hmm. to create chemicals uh, or biologics, whatever you want to call them, that interfere in some fashion with some output uh, in terms of inflammation or immune response, the, the symptoms of disease. Mm-hmm. Um, curing disease, and when you, say the, you say the word treatment and then you say cure, they sound somewhat similar and they think... But they have nothing to do with one another. I, I make the analogy that, you know, asking the pharmaceutical industry to cure something or come up with a cure uh, is not like asking um, Ford or Mercedes or Toyota to switch from internal combustion engines to electric cars. It's, it's like asking them to um, create a new type of road system that, you know, pushes the cars along without any driving. It, it's, it's a totally different concept. And so, um, yeah, I always get that at you know cocktail parties and so forth. You know, you know where where is the big bunker where they're sure. hiding everything? It doesn't exist, and the main reason it doesn't exist is they're not good enough to create it. They, it's just something they can't do. And so, you know, I envision really sort of a parallel industry uh, developing in the future where you're going to see sort of more traditional pharma scaled down substantially, creating the more traditional treatment stuff that we think of nowadays and a, and a separate you know, path of the right. industry that is going to be focusing on cures. And once again, the products that are coming out of what we're doing and other related endeavors are not going to look like what you think of today as that little pill in a bottle. All right, stand uh, by, Ira. You and I have to take our break. Exonation, okay. Ira Pastor is our special guest. He is the CEO of BioCork, Inc., And their website is www.biocork.com. And Ira and I will be back on the other side of the news as we consider, as we continue, I should say, here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. 
Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and it has been my privilege for the last 27 years coming to you nightly as together we explore the world of the paranormal, the science of parapsychology, in this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction, and fiction is reality. And we come to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and of course, iHeartRadio. If you'd like to find out about the other great programming we have available for you 24-7-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, check us out at www.xzbn.net. And of course, you can always contact me by email Exxon at exxonradiotv.com and on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. My first guest tonight, Exxon Nation, is Ira Pastor, and Ira is the chief executive officer of BioQuark Incorporated. Over 30 years of experience across multiple sectors of the pharmaceutical industry, including pharmaceutical commercialization, biotech, drug development, managed care, distribution, OTC, and retail. He served as vice president of business development for a drug development company, Phytomedics Inc., raising $40 million of private equity, consummating over $50 million of licensing deals, and bringing lead drug candidate from discovery stage to phase three development. Prior to that, employed by Smith Klein Beecham Pharmaceuticals, working in sales marketing and business strategy positions. Ira has also served as vice president of corporate development for the pharmacy benefit management company, Prescription Delivery Systems. Joining me now is Ira S. Pastor, and Ira, welcome to the X Zone. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what was it that led you to this fascinating world that you're in? Well, it was really a combination of things. Um, I was always fascinated by uh, nature Mm -hmm. and the uh, wonderful species that we cohabit this planet with that from a uh, health and wellness perspective uh, are much further advanced than we are. 
Um, as the audience is undoubtedly aware, there's many organisms, the amphibians come to mind, sure. that can replace lost or damaged organs and tissues that are identical uh, in both structure and function uh, throughout their lifetime. Uh, this goes for their spinal cords, limbs, uh, parts of their heart, eyeballs, mm -hmm. even large segments of their brains. Um, at the same time, uh, these same species have a remarkable capability for the reversal of uh, genetic damage when it happens. Uh, cancer, I give as an example, which is found everywhere in, in nature and all species yeah. on this planet, um, in many cases in the lower organisms is, is shrugged off uh, like the common cold. Uh, meanwhile, it kills 8 million of us every year. Um, and then, of course, at the, the end of the spectrum, you have organisms on this planet that do not age. Uh, you have some that actually age in reverse, and you have some that technically even die and are reborn. And, you know, needless to say, we as human beings uh, lack these skills. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to combine that and sort of this amazing, uh, you know, database of information that nature over three billion plus years of evolution has put before us mm -hmm. and combine it with my last 30 years in an industry that... You know, had a tremendous amount of money flowing through it, but was incapable of generating cures for any of the chronic degenerative diseases that kill us. We were pretty good at generating treatments for stuff and right. lowering cholesterol and stopping pain mm -hmm. and all this business. But you know, when it comes to Alzheimer's and cancer and diabetes and all the really major stuff that sends us to the grave, uh, we weren't batting too high. Uh, so. I really wanted to, after 30 years, I wanted to do something a little different uh, and make a little more of a mark than just uh, selling another uh, Me Too product in the market, and hence why we started BioCore. All right, so tell us about BioCore, okay, its history and its strategic goals. Sure. So uh, BioQuark is, you know, it's technically a, we're a life sciences company, uh, and we are focused on uh, basically inducing... Uh, regeneration and repair of your complex organs and tissues uh, in your body. So if you think of that salamander that can lose all its body parts yeah. and regrow them, we basically want to do the same for you as a human. Uh, so instead of uh, thinking about a transplant, a kidney transplant or a heart transplant or a liver transplant, uh, we want to repair and regenerate the organ you have as it's going downhill so you never have to go down those paths. At the same time, mm -hmm. uh, we're very interested in the dynamics of disease reversal. Uh, disease reversal is something that occurs throughout nature, but we're, once again, very bad at it. And instead of focusing on developing more drugs that just affect symptoms of disease, we want to get a little further upstream and say, you know, how do we turn back a cell that uh, in your brain that has Alzheimer's disease and is damaged or a cancer cell or a cell in your pancreas that has diabetes and make it normal again? And so the goal of the company is basically studying nature, studying how the salamander and the newt and the planarian and the starfish do this and come to the market instead of with, you know, another synthetic drug product come up with some really unique biologics that can mimic mm -hmm. and stimulate the ability that we see in nature in humans. So at the end of the day, we're developing you know, biologic products like any other biologic, whether it's a growth hormone or an insulin um, or a vaccine, but our products will do more, more complex things. Let's put it that way. How, uh, how is it that animals, reptiles, or other species that we share this planet with are able to do so much, and yet we humans, who are apparently, or we're told, come from the same planet, are unable to mimic the reproductive or the reversal of aging that certain other species on this planet can do. Well, a lot of it, um, the evolutionary biology people will tell you, goes back mm. to the, uh, the point in time where we became... Uh, rapid bleeders. Uh, and let me, let me explain that a little more. Uh, we are a species that uh, bleeds very rapidly, and we die very rapidly from the loss of blood. Uh, and evolutionarily, back in the time sort of when the repti reptile mammalian transition occurred, um, the ability to regenerate uh, had to be counterbalanced with the ability to clot and stop bleeding. 
so as you know, you know, we we get cut, uh, we form scar tissue, yes. uh, scabs, and mm-hmm. scar tissue, and we stop bleeding. Right, and that's fine, but um, that's no good for. <laughs> Now, lower organisms don't bleed as much as we do. Uh, so from a sort of straight evolutionary perspective, that was the point several million years ago when uh, the transition happened. Uh, however, we do, at certain points in time, have some of these abilities. They're nascent, but they do occur. The one place that time is turned back and history totally eliminated is the time when we're first formed. So the moments after conception in the egg, uh, you have a reversal of aging. That's why our children are born age zero uh, when they are born. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are not born with the traditional chronic diseases of old age. You don't have babies born with Alzheimer's disease. And and they come out usually two arms, two legs, and and so forth. Right. So we, we possess a minor reprogramming activity at that point in time. And we also do have some... Uh, activity in terms of reversion when small changes occur. I, I make the example, not to scare anybody, but you know, even during the course of this conversation, you, I, everyone listening uh, is fighting cancer. Uh, not cancer as a, a progressive disease, mm-hmm. but the little transitions that happen in our body, trillions of them across our hundred trillion cells every day, our body keeps those in order uh, and keeps us healthy for the first several decades of life. Uh, but those abilities dwindle. Uh, and they're not robust uh, throughout a lifetime. Um, and so evolution, you know, plays tricks in the sense that it, <laughs> we are an advanced species and we have a big brain and uh, we are here for a purpose. Um, but other organisms, you know, in that evolutionary tree go in other directions and hence why we have some that can live 5,000 years and, and why we hang out here around 75. All right, uh, Ira, please stand by. You and I have to take our first break. Exonation. Nation, Ira S. Pastor is our special guest. He is the CEO of BioCork Incorporated. And if you'd like to find out more information about Ira or BioCork, please visit them online at www.biocork.com. That's B-I-O-Q-U-A-R-K. Dot com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you live and around the world from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to uh, find out more about the Exxon, if you'd like to find out about the other programs that we have available for you, 724-365, visit us at www.xzbn.net. And you're listening to us right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network and, of course, on iHeartRadio. We'll be back. Don't go away. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. 
For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 